generations of history. I'm so glad that we can see the beauty of our stories told by our own. What a joyful time to see community shine. We see, we see, we see, we see each other. We see, we see, we see, we see each other. We see, we see, we see each other. We see, we see, we see each other. Hey there, beautiful people, and welcome to episode dose of We See Each Other, the podcast. I'm Trayvell Anderson. And I'm Char Jocelle. Yes, you are. Coming up on the show today, we're going to be talking about trans visibility in, you know, some broad strokes, okay? And Char and I will also be talking to actress and DJ and TV host and my new fave after our interview with her, okay? Lena Bradford, who came up in New York's club scene, okay? You also forgot to mention that she is a friend. Of Whoopi yes. the Goldberg yes. and Sarah the Haynes <laughs> of ABC's The View. <laughs> I yes, love yes, Lena. Yes. I'm obsessed with her. Listen, we we just we discuss and really expound on like what life was like as a trans person around in the 80s, and this is before mm-hmm. a lot of like these terms that we use today. Even even terms like binary and non-binary were part of like the everyday lexicon, and we really kind of dive into what that meant at that time. Yes, and we will also have, you know, some some voice bits, voice memos. We did some interviews with the Unique Women's Coalition and some of the folks who showed up to an event that they had there recently. And so you're going to hear from some, we're calling them regular trans folks, which which sounds weird to say. Yeah, that do, right? friend. That sounds weird. That sounds weird, friend. It do sound weird. But, you know, we're just talking about, the, these aren't celebrities, right? Yeah. These are folks who, you, who, who are in community with you already, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we pass the mic in here from some of them. But first, Shar, to get us started, I want to ask you, when you hear the term, the general term trans visibility, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, so for me, when I think trans visibility, I think that we are at a place right now where it's like, yes, being visible is good, but I view it as a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. I often think about a quote from Precious Brady Davis, who's just remarkable. I I love her. I know her back from Chicago. Um, And she said, visibility does not equal safety. Mm -hmm. That is something that I remember that that sticks with me. She said that back a, a decade ago, really, like in 2013, when she did a project with Miley Cyrus. That's how Oprah (laughs) says her name. And so uh, I think about, like I said, the double-edged sword where I often find myself asking myself, have we reached a peak with visibility? Mm. And the only reason why I say that is because we've got, you know, the 32 flavors of the Baskin Robbins when it comes Mm -hmm. to trans visibility. And it's almost like, okay, what's on the other side of that? People have platforms. We're seeing uh, people. We're hearing different perspectives. We're hearing different experiences but what is on the other side Mm -hmm. of that what happens when visibility isn't enough yes you know especially given this current socio-political landscape Mm. what happens when visibility isn't enough or is there ever a point when visibility is it is enough Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and though though i felt that one <laughs> um in the book i talk a little bit about how visibility is a paradox right mm-hmm. because 
it has allowed ourselves to be seen and to see each other. Um, but it also has like ushered in this unprecedented moment of, in particular, anti-trans violence. Yes. Um, in the form of legislation, in the form of drag bans, in the form of, you know, all the different ways that they want to police and erase um, our culture and identities, um, not only as trans people, but also as queer people, as black people um, in this country. And so if you have to be at the intersections, like we are, you know, I don't know about y'all, but I'm tired, okay? And so visibility is a paradox because it has allowed so many of us to be seen, right, and access so many possibilities. Um, But it also, you know, comes at a time in which, you know, we are fighting for our fucking lives. Literally, without a paddle. And it also has brought on an onslaught of people being famous for being trans. Mm. Versus at one point it was like, oh, this trans person is a dynamic author. Mm-hmm. Or this trans person mm. is a speaker. Or this trans person is an actor. Now, and I think you know this could be attributed to influencer culture, mm-hmm. there are people that are just famous just for being trans. Yeah. And then that's when we get into the weeds. Because then they inherently become the spokesperson for all mm. things trans because you mm-hmm. are famous for being trans. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know. And, and and many of those people, uh-huh. I would say, uh-huh. don't have the range to be said sex sp- spokespeople. No. Right? Like they, some of them have not done the reading. Well, aside from doing the reading, some of or them Or the just, living. I was about to say, they don't have the lived experience. And, and that's kind of, I guess, the grift with it mm-hmm. is that like, oh, let me walk you through my transition. Mm-hmm. But when you have not been like trans, you know, there's a, you know, running inner community joke about like, no one should have the microphone if you under two years old. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, yeah. at first I squinted at that, but I'm like, mm, you know, because sometimes, oftentimes there's more mm-hmm. damage done than than help Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that is but that's the novelty that's where Mm -hmm. a lot of people's advocacy and a lot of people um a lot of their activism kind of that's that's where the the bar kind of ends it's kind of because it's easier to show up for someone and shake your fist and say use their right pronouns than it is to show up for someone who's been trans, for example, for mm-hmm. over a decade who may need assistance mm-hmm. or may need their voice amplified around adequate housing mm-hmm. and health care mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. It's easy when someone announces last Tuesday, hey, I think I'm trans. And you can just say, hey, their pronouns are A, B, and C. And mm-hmm. I'm not taking away from that. I want to be clear. I'm not watering that experience mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. But there's something to be said about those being the loudest voices yeah. oftentimes when it comes to that type of view. Yeah. But that's why they're famous for being trans. It's like that front row seat, but it's a revolving door because people will then get tired. Mm-hmm. Once you have, quote unquote, mm-hmm. completed that transition or once you have, quote unquote, you know, walked people through your transition and you're now five years old into it. <laughs> people, you know, the fan base is going to start dropping off uh-huh. because they don't care beyond. Mm-hmm. The, the spectacle. The spectacle. Of it. Yeah. Which, yeah. which, right, ties into this very long history of the ways in which, you know, transness and gender nonconformity and, you know, non binary aesthetics, right, mm-hmm. um, have shown up. Right. In our societies and cultures in the ways that they've, they've been um, policed and marginalized, um, et cetera. But 
what you bring up, right, gets me thinking about, you know, one of the reasons I, I wanted to do this podcast, which is we don't we don't often we don't often have these conversations right on the microphone. No, we don't. This right? is for the kitchen table. You know, yes, <laughs> this is for the kitchen table. But right, like I think we do ourselves a disservice by, you know, kind of holding those conversations in. Like I don't I I I'm interested in having as complex and as nuanced a conversation as possible about where we are when it comes to to trans visibility and existence, because I think we are do that. Right. Um, It's not all, you know, honkadori and everything's fine and, you know, everything's great and everybody's, you know, visibility is, you know, good for the greater good, um, there are some complexities. And so I want to ask you, you know, when you think about the current status, the current place of like where this discourse around how we all show up on screen and in culture um, is, what do you find missing? What do you find perhaps boring about the conversation? Um, I guess what I find boring and missing is the lack of diverse voices. I find that as you were speaking, I was thinking about why a lot of the times we do not have these conversations on microphones because mm-hmm. I think that it could be reduced to, oh, they're hating, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. we're allowed to be critical. You and I both take a critical analysis Absolutely. to pop culture just in general anyway. And I think that it also speaks to how a lot of LGBT culture literally parrots you know, the main culture, so to speak. There is so Mm -hmm. much racism. There is so much misogyny. There's so much trans misogyny. There's so much misogynoir. There's so much, you know, microaggressions. And and, 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 and existing in these spaces and kind of raising your voice about what needs to be done can sometimes be the Mm write-off, like people writing you off and canceling you, which I'm I'm joking when I, you know, like I, I'm, I'm said, nudging, to be clear. Yeah, I'm nudging you when I say canceling because no one is ever really canceled. But it's we, it, you know, it's also easier to cancel a marginalized person mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. are part of a marginalized community than it is, you know, otherwise. But um, I think what's missing is tangible action mm. because I find that a lot of these conversations are cyclical. We ain't saying nothing that ain't been said Absolutely. before Absolutely. on panels and on podcasts, and so I think that. It's a it's it's a function of who's going to endorse the change and follow up and be and Mm. and talk the talk and walk the walk. Mm. But if we are not in positions of power to make these decisions Mm -hmm. and advocate and make sure that the door stays open for others like us to come through, then it's like the same people are making the same decisions. And then you and I become Mm -hmm. novelty acts. Mm -hmm. We check off the box. Okay, we have our black. Mm -hmm. Next. Mm -hmm. Listen, and you know, we we check (laughs) off a couple boxes for these people, you know, which, you know, it has helped me pay my bills. Thank you so much. Same. Um, But but also, like it, it, it we, we shouldn't have to be the token. Um, so very much so. Before we take a break, I have a question for you. Okay. Because we will be discussing, you know, images on screen, images in culture of the community. What was the first? Who was the first character, trans character that you remember seeing or connecting with? on screen tell the people so for me the first 
character that I kind of connected with was the story of Calpurnia Adams mm-hmm. from um, Soldier's, Soldier's Girl. Soldier's Girl. Mm-hmm. And I say that to say, uh, she was the first, that film, I think I saw that when I was like 14 or 15. I was with my best friend at the time. Shout out to Janelle. If you're listening, because we watched it together. Well, I told her about it. I caught it on Showtime. And then we went to a video store and I saw that it was available for rent. And I said, this is the video, the the movie I was telling you about. But that story, although very tragic, Mm -hmm. it was the first time I saw a trans person humanized. And the first time, I think it unlocked something for me. Because prior to that, I had only seen, you know, we've talked about this, mm-hmm. the Maris and Jerry mm-hmm. Springers of the world and, you know, the Ricky Lakes. I mean, I love Ricky, but, you know, these these ty- type of daytime talk show uh, nonsense mm-hmm. around trans, like this circus around transness. And so that film, although a very sad and tragic film, was the first time I saw a trans person doing so much as just pouring them a cup of coffee, mm. calling a friend, like this human mm-hmm. aspect of like, wow, trans people are just like everyone else. And so uh, for me, that was a defining moment that I don't think I really realized until adulthood. Uh, and like I said, although a very tragic story, it's a, it's one that if you have not seen that film, I encourage you to to check that out if you have some time. Yeah. And bring some Kleenex with you, please. Um, my God, because it's. Yeah, it's 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 a heavy one. I talk about it a bit in the book. I talk about Calpurnia, Calpurnia Adams, um, and in particular her reality TV show, um, dating show, which was like a decade after yes. the situation that led to that is uh, reflected in Soldier's Girl. I should say very, oh my God, today um, for me, I you know. <laughs> <laughs> the images that I talk in the book about how, you know, the images that that formed me um, were mostly like gay men and uh, uh, effeminate people, mm-hmm. I guess. Like, you know, I talk about Noah. Um, Daryl Stevens played Noah in Noah's Ark, Patrick Ian Polk's TV show on local TV from back in the day. Um, I talk about Miss J. Alexander and Andre Leon Talley. Um, but when I think specifically of, like, some sort of character or presentation um, on screen that, like, feels like me or I felt some sort of kinship to. Um, for me, it was often just like slivers of of pieces of, of things mm-hmm. here, here and there. Um, and I didn't really see like a full character, ironically, until Uncle Clifford in P-Valley. Wow. Um, and I think I might have misinterpreted your question because for me, it was like the same. Like mm. the, I answered your question through the lens specifically of trans yeah, but yeah. the, it was like cis women that the mm, first time I was mm-hmm. like able to connect. Like I often talk about like two can play that game, the influence oh, that had yeah. on me. Yeah. Uh when I I think I was like twelve and I looked in the mirror and I said Connie Spaulding? Yeah. Well, no, it was Shantae. It was Sha- it was Shantae. It was Shantae. Can, yeah, she- <laughs> that's appropriate. That's appropriate. It was one of those moments, a defining moment that I often reference where I love that movie, even though it's so binary and the gender wars. But I remember going to the mirror and saying what am I going to look like at 25? 
I mm. distinctly remember that because I knew I didn't want to have the briefcase and the goatee mm-hmm. and to be running around with Morris Chestnut and Anthony Anderson. <laughs> I knew I didn't want to be with Tamala <laughs> and Monique and Vivica Fox. Like I, I saw myself in that character. And so there were a lot of cis women, like you just mentioned, slithers mm-hmm. of little like glimmers of like, wow. And I think just as a Capricorn, Shantae was getting it done. <laughs> and she had her, her power suits <laughs> and her convertible. And I was like, I love that. She's eating and I would like to eat you too. Said, I would like to eat (laughs) too period and with that we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we have a little chat with dj lena bradford one of my favorite people she's an og so grab a snack and come on back we see each other hey it's john moe inviting you to listen to depression mode with john moe where i talk about mental health and the lives we live with all kinds of people Famous writers. David Sedaris, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Movie stars. Jamie Lee Curtis, welcome to Depression Mode. I am happy to be here. Musicians. I am in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm talking to Amy Mann. Great to talk to you. And song exploders. Rishikesh Hirway, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Everyone's opening up on Depression Mode on Maximum Fun. We see each other. Welcome back to We See Each Other, the podcast. I'm Trayvell Anderson. And I'm Shar Jocelle. And as we mentioned right before the break, we've got an OG, one of my favorite people, DJ Lena Bradford, stopping by the show. She's someone that I've known since 2017. We actually worked on a BuzzFeed video together, Trayvell, believe it or not. Mm. Yes, we talked about dating and the sex and all of that stuff. Like, you know, like what what we do and how we navigate. (laughs) And I always appreciate and love her perspective. So Lena, we want to thank you for joining us today. It's really good to have you here, an esteemed honor. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm interested in knowing Lena, given that you have been visible for so long, in your opinion, in what ways has the conversation shifted? In what ways has the pendulum really kind of swung? Because I know I'm not speaking for Travell necessarily, but you know, Travell and I are of the same generation of the same era, so to speak. And I think it's safe to say that at one point it seemed like things were going in a really, really positive direction. And now we're in treacherous territory. So in your view, in what ways has that changed? Well, sis, you know, the thing is, is that regardless of what demographic or where any of us come from, we are are all Mm -hmm. in the same situation right now where, you know, regardless of what, you know, my, um, predecessors did and what you know me and my kids did you know we are all on the break of everybody trying to let us have it so how we can you know result back to stuff that was even before generations before all of us is kind of just absurd like i i said to a friend of my the other day i was like you know it's so interesting to even try to have this conversation because for me it's just it's just tomfoolery you know what i mean like it doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense you know, regardless of what it is that they're trying to throw at us it's just like you know, yeah, it could be argued, but it's just dumb because it makes no sense. Like, first, it starts with women, always starts with women. It starts with women, then it's going to come to the black people. It's going to come to the trans people. Mm-hmm. It's going to come to the gay people. And, you know, we just have to remember that all ethnicities have to stick together because we're not all on the same playing field. They're, they think you you men of all different ethnic diversities think that, you know, because you're a man, it's OK. No, baby, they don't care. It's just going to go boom, 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 Mm -hmm. boom. Don't ever sleep on women of any type of situation, honey, because we have always been there, carried the backbone, kept it straight, 
through anything and made it work. I was going to say, I know that, like, you know, you kind of got your start in the club kid scene, which I feel like today we look back on as being a a world where everybody was just doing their thing. It was super inclusive. All kinds of identities yeah. were, were showing up. Um, and now... I feel like even though we've had so many, you know, great inroads in terms of different types of folks on screen and visibility and models and musicians such as yourself and, you know, the actors and the writers, it just feels like, you know, that that progress that we were hoping for, um, that there are attempts, right, to, to roll that back. I'd love to hear you talk about, like, moments where you felt like, oh, something was shifting, something was changing. Well, you know, um, those are really beautiful points. And, you know, when we were all in it, we were all so grateful when Candace and I, when you, you know, were doing the twin thing, we were just grateful to be in the room, you know, as artists, you know, mm. we were starving artists growing up in Manhattan and, uh, you know, asked to do runway shows and asked to do movies. And, you know, for me, DJing didn't happen until 97. So, you know, I had so many lives beforehand from, you know, performing and you know all of these things and it didn't feel like anything but this is where we're supposed to be you know so the only thing that i see different is the fact that there are writers there are trans people that was one thing you never saw because when i was doing movies i was the only trans woman but it wasn't even an mm -hmm. issue it was just i was brought in for my talent because i knew these artists or i knew these designers who had me walking the runway shows you know so it, it wasn't um it wasn't necessarily i don't want to say a novelty was just more of just like the essence that it was that we were bringing to the table, you know, that we were just special and we weren't looked at as like a freak or anything different, but just like, wow, that's amazing. You know, that's how cool people were back in the day. Because like you said, you know, when you would go to these clubs, you saw so much diversity from people and finance to, I mean, all of it. It really was a Skittles taste the rainbow situation, you know, and that's what I've always loved about New York, you know, and then, you know, we had the, 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 the uh, underground club scene flourishing during um, uh, financial ruins, you know, like uh, the, uh, what's mm. the word I'm looking for? Um, recession. Recession has always been a time where the arts have always flourished. So now seeing that, um, you know, we still are in a recession of some sorts, mm -hmm. you know, but we've lost club culture. You know, none of these kids know of any of the clubs that it is that we came up to. And, and, and you know, mm -hmm. back in the day, you had magazines where people from all over the world would see us and know us. Now you've got these devices in your hands, but yet you kind of stay like one way into just one little thing, you know, where it's just like, sometimes it's like, we only pay homage to our predecessors and what you call, and I say this loosely because it's, it's used so often, iconic and legendary why do we have to be dead for you to recognize us <laughs> when we're still here? You know, like so many mm. different um, uh, news outlets or TV shows, they're not doing it properly. And I mean, I don't want to say I'm a jaded New Yorker because I'm, I am a princess of light. I'm very open to everything and I see everything, but for people not to recognize what's here until it's gone, also guilty on the people who are hiring these children, not hiring all demographics of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not everybody stays the same age for, you know, the same amount of time. And I feel like I'm more brighter than I've ever been because maturity will always keep you and bring you correct. Okay. Amen. 
I'm glad that you brought up uh, the aspect of of the club culture and how no one was really looked at as like freaks and, and things of that nature. Because, you know, as we have been exploring Travell's book, We See Each Other, and we've been having a lot of these conversations, I brought up a point. I remember growing up, for example, and I know that RuPaul is a drag queen and not a trans person, mm-hmm, but I mm-hmm. don't really, I remember RuPaul being such a a a staple in pop culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, Biggie Smalls mm-hmm. was referencing RuPaul. Mm-hmm. RuPaul was making cameos, much like, you know, yourself. You were in Woo with Jada yeah. Pinkett Smith, um, yeah. among other films. Um, I even think of like how you mentioned your friend Candace Kane and Dirty Sexy Money, but specifically with yeah. RuPaul, when I think about like advertising and, and the talk show and everything that RuPaul was yeah. doing in the 90s, me as a child of the 90s, I don't really remember people going out of their way to remind you that RuPaul was a he, so to speak. I remember RuPaul's dragness Mm. being acknowledged. Like, you know, know, people say, you know, that's a man. But I think, I even think back to like the Arsenio show and talk shows, people would be flirting with RuPaul. And so I'm, I'm interested in knowing from your opinion Given that RuPaul was a drag queen, but a, a cultural figurehead, people would, you know, blend that in with transness at the time. In my opinion, or from what I can remember, I should say, I don't remember Ru- RuPaul's womanhood ever being challenged in the 90s. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. RuPaul. And even if she were part of the joke, I don't remember people going out of their way to disrespect RuPaul or sure, to boycott right. RuPaul's presence in an yeah. ad or a film no. or things. She was just it there. It wasn't about labels back in the day. It was, you know, I've always said labels are something mm. that I wear, not something that I am. Ooh. You know what I mean? Because I'm much more dynamic as a being than I am as a label. So to pigeonhole me into something like this, you lose all the dynamics of all of my womanhood, my blackhood, my everything, all of my hoods, you know, because I got so many, you know, what girl do you need today? Mm. I'll give it to you. You know what I mean? So (laughs) I I come from masculine. I always say you don't know where you're going if you don't know where you came from. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we all came up together, Bunny and Lipsinka and Ruin all uh, uh, us in the 80s, you know, so we came from that school that it wasn't about a label. It was about what you bring to the table. Mm. What Mm. you're bringing to the table is a lot of shit, not Oh, I'm trans or not that I'm gay. Like I always, even before there were terminologies or anything, I always said to you, listen, I'm a gender illusionist, but I am a spirit before I'm anything, mm. you know? Bunny would mm. always correct people. She's like, Lena's not a drag queen. You know what I mean? And, and it just, it, it was mm-hmm. one of those things where it's like, I paid mad homage to that, but that's not me. Mm. Yeah. And everyone around us, like when we were doing the Geraldo show back in the day, there was none of that. Like I look back at some of those tapes and I'm just like, my God, these people, like people were just so less anal retentive. So it's just weird to be where we are right now after all that. Mm. But that's just conditioning of white men who are feeling very much extinct like dinosaurs that they've got to do the most because look at, they can look around America and it does not look like them anymore. There's a lot more of this. Selena, that was part two of my question because when I, I don't remember RuPaul's womanhood being challenged versus in a 2023, I think that if RuPaul existed in the same way in which she did in the 90s, people would be going out of their way to be like, he, him, he, him, he, him. What's your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that because there was something that I posted yesterday that um, I saw someone else post and it really spoke to me. There was a panel, um, some friends of ours were on it and um, you know it was literally a tall salad of people from you know 
Republicans of all sorts. And there was a trans mm-hmm. Republican woman, which girl, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm one of those people where I'm really down the middle. Like I'm a mixed breed child. So I'm able to see everything. Mm-hmm. I've always been that person. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, uh, you know, um, I was having a conversation with um, a non-binary person, you know, and mind you, like you said, I came from the time where, you know, it wasn't about labels, but this is nothing. None of this is new. Like we called it androgynous back mm-hmm. in the day when that was your gig, you know, but I do find that when all of the binary people who, and in a sense, it did come out through the pandemic. You have so many different syllables, leave them and all of this, own all of it. It's beautiful for you. But I feel like when you start to put it into saying, oh, and I'm also trans, I want to be with you on that. And that's okay that I'm not. And I feel a certain way, but I don't feel like that's something that you can also um, up on our shoulders from and also where disconnect with what you're asking me with the rest of the uh, people outside of our community. Mm-hmm. It's confusing for them. I feel like we have to be very clear about separation and there is a separation, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have anything to do with me feeling any less more on your team and fighting for you. But we also need to have our fight, not different, but just clear that this is our lane of what we've had to fight. If you want to get all the way back into it, Marsha was not living her life as a trans woman mm-hmm. because that wasn't very far from where it was that I come from. So I can say, and I can know these things, you know? So, you know, and also not too far long ago, the, the, the white gays were not even trying to see the fact that we had a lot to do yeah. with Stonewall. Everybody's trying mm-hmm. to show face now That's because true. everything has to be very PC. But I remember I was part of act up. I know these things. Mm. I'm not here to point the finger. I'm just saying, let our struggle and let our visibility be what that is for us, trans black mm-hmm, women, mm-hmm. most importantly. So, okay, let me hop in, right? So I, I identify as non-binary and trans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned earlier on uh, in another discussion that Shar and I had about how, you know, I do think that one of the And mind you, I'm always here to learn, sister. No, 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 no. Oh, no. I I love a lot of what you said, actually. <laughs> um, um, but one of the things I mentioned was that, like, you know, I do feel like with the, you know, you mentioned the p- pandemic and how, you know, post-pandemic, we've seen the numbers of people, right, who are identifying in particular as non-binary shoot up drastically. And we've heard a lot of folks say that, like, the isolation of the pandemic caused them to, you know, do whatever work. Yes. And, and, and knowing themselves. Um, And one of the things I mentioned was that I do feel like in this moment in which, you know, non-binary identity and non-binary aesthetics are where they are, that like it, one of the byproducts has been this kind of, uh, I'm about to make up a word here, (laughs) Merkification. Um, <laughs> That's where my language comes from. Hello, <laughs> you know, um, but like things have gotten very, very murky for a lot of people because you're right. You know, the experiences of Black trans women, right? Um, it is often a different experience than, say, my experience as a Black non-binary person who also identifies as trans. They are absolutely very different, but they're also connected and related. And what I like about what I heard you say was that 
you know, you can recognize um, the the differences in those journeys while also still being yeah. connected in the fight, yeah. right, yeah. for liberation of us all. Absolutely. And if we're not here to listen and learn, and but most importantly, listen, mm-hmm. we're not a part of the Rainbow Coalition. Yeah. And, it, and, and, you know, we didn't get here by not listening. Yeah. And, and also, you know, Travell and I also had a discussion in which I referenced even me, sister, I'm, we're all learning. We're, this is, that's yeah, the point of yeah. this podcast is to have yes, well-rounded amen. conversations amen. and to learn from one another. And I know that for me, I've been very transparent in some of the hurdles I had to jump through with learning that there is a difference with non-binary people and non-binary trans people. Like even that has a difference. Like the two examples I always use is Demi Lovato says that they are non-binary. Halsey is non-binary, but India Moore is non-binary trans. Trayvell Anderson is non-binary trans. And there is, because people often conflate gender and sexuality, I think that that further muddies the waters. And I mentioned to Trayvill earlier Mm -hmm. that I think that a lot of the misgendering and a lot of the rebelliousness comes from language constantly expanding and the general public not, they're looking for a finite solution. They're looking for, okay, you know, he went to her or her went to him or, you know, even the they, them. But then when language expands, I think that there is a natural human rebelliousness, whether whether we're fine with it or not. I think from gen pop, general the general population, we're seeing a direct result of that and then it inflicts violence on everybody. Well, that's a beautiful point because mm-hmm. you listen, we all have to uncondition ourselves from the conditioning. Yes. We have to do that on the daily, you know? So Absolutely. listening Absolutely. and like you said, paying attention and being empathetic because we're so used to all of us being brought up with black and white mm-hmm. from our parents. You know what I'm saying? So there's yeah, that part that we have to uncondition ourselves. And then there's a part of us as black trans women and then as be them and uh, non-binary that need mm-hmm. to still do that same thing. So we're all learning in that gig of fighting it with cis people who are black and white that feel like, okay, well, stop making us feel pressured and feel like we got to give you one or the other. You know what I mean? And it's very that. Mm-hmm. It's very that because they need that. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, that has to be that mm-hmm. way. And they put you under the microscope and feel like you're under the hot plate. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. We're all still mm-hmm. with the temperature and the tone comes the empathy and listening and learning. And guess what? We're all going to walk away from this gig today, learning and knowing something better than we did a minute ago. Amen to that, sister. Absolutely. Absolutely. My last question for mm-hmm. you. You have lived a life, a couple <laughs> lives, perhaps. Uh, you know. <laughs> Hold on a second. Let me get my rose water. Oh. But I would love to hear what it is that you are interested in sharing with generations of trans folks that are, you know, coming in your shadow still today, right? In uh, following paths that you helped pave. What would you like us to know? Beautiful question, sweetheart. As I mentioned, you cannot stress empathy more. Getting out of your phones and just looking up and talking to your brothers and your sisters and finding out where they came from, mm-hmm. meeting your best boyfriend or your best girlfriend without being on an app, you know, that's the school I come from. Uh, touch, mm-hmm. feel, smell, you know what I mean? 
you can try to bamboozle me all day long online, baby, but <laughs> I can smell you and I can see you and I know what the tea is when you're in front of me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. With no judgments, but it's that it's that feeling, you know, it's that conversation. So, you know, with the youngsters, they're amazing at creating this fabulous content online. If you have to get into a boardroom and you've got to sell this gig, you can't look at somebody and talk them, to them in their face because you haven't scraped your knee and you haven't fallen. Some of these things are given to these children a little too easily without getting the hardships and finding out exactly how it is that we got here. Find out mm -hmm. why it's possible for you to be all this faggotry way and to walk down the street holding hands to get married to do all this stuff. It didn't just happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Again, this is no dig at you, baby. Trust me, you came into a beautiful time. I'm glad that we're able to give this to you, but I want you to know where it came from. I don't want you to just not wonder about it and not care. There was always a time when I was coming up where for me, I was always at the table with my, my elders. You know, I always wanted to know that conversation. So I was never sitting at the kid's table. So that was always my, my vibration through life of always wanting to know like music, culture, all of those things that came before me that really created this essence that is Lena. And I continue to do that. Once you think that you're done and you've checked out, it's all over for you, baby. Mm -hmm. So if I'm still able to do that from the mm -hmm. time that when I came up till now and still keep myself very relevant because baby i've never checked out honey i'm fresh and lovely as a daisy is from when i stepped onto the runway honey <laughs> and i could still let you have it Period. and not be jaded Period. not be jaded still be open and still give that love and that light where people are still connected to me in every demographic from whatever it is that i'm doing from public speaking to acting to djing whatever they feel where it's coming from and it doesn't feel preachy. It's not like, oh, well, honey, I did this, this. No, mm -hmm. I don't need to give you my resume. I'm not that chick. Period. I'm constantly wanting to know where these kids are coming from. And, and if they ask me a question, I'll tell them. But I'm not going to offer it because I don't want to. You're already going to be judged because you're not in their demographic. Right. By one, the way you look, mm -hmm. by your finances, all these things. We right. do that in this community. And it's awful. It's one of the things that this Rainbow Coalition needs to hop on the clue train and buy a vowel. Mm -hmm. We are the worst for coming for ourselves in our own community. And we want to fight everybody outside. That's true. When they see us acting a fool, honey, how does that say? That this says... The, the, the gays don't really care about this, this, and that. And why are we having the white children always on Halloween getting up in the eggs and dressing like black women? Girl. But not here for the black women who are getting shot and killed. Where are you? Wow. I Speak think the resounding it. theme is remain teachable and be, be willing to calm. listen. And remain calm. Lena. <laughs> 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 I hear you. I see you. Hear me. See me. Absolutely. You are, you know, I could talk to you for That's another fine. hour, but unfortunately we have to wrap this up. You are a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> oh, and we want to thank you thank again you. for joining us today on We See Each Other. Thank you. You know, the book is fantastic. I think that you'd really like appreciate because Travel does such a great job of acknowledging the transcestors and even providing viewing guides after each chapter it is such a well-rounded beautiful beautiful book and i'm not just saying that Travel, because we're friends no, and we're working no, no. alongside each other <laughs> it is honey, a beautiful just book. listening to you and seeing your light honey trust me i'm already on that even before we got to speaking sweetheart i saw you i was like 
I need this yes, book. Yes, yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Lena is My still pleasure. bringing it. And I'd like to recommend to our listeners that they go follow her on the Instagrams if they're not already doing so. Lena's handle is the Lena Bradford. That's Lena, L-I-N-A, Lena with an I. Because I know, you know what happens sometimes, Trayvill, when people be doing Lena with, they try to spell it like <laughs> Dina, like Dina Jones. You know, it's, e. it's Lena, L-I-N-A. Uh-huh not L-double-E-N-A. And Lena also has a series on YouTube that I'm such a fan of. It's titled In the Dollhouse with Lena. We'll include the links in our show description so folks can easily find them. Yes, shout out to Lena. Super enjoyed that. All right, we are going to take a little break. And when we come back, you're going to hear some voices of- Oh, yes. More trans folks. times. We see each other. Hi, I'm Travis McElroy. And I'm Teresa McElroy. And we're the host of Schmanners. We don't believe that etiquette should be used to judge other people. No, on Schmanners, we see etiquette as a way to navigate social situations with confidence. So if that sounds like something you're into, join us every Friday on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. We see each other. Welcome back, y'all. Before we get out of here, it was really important that as we do this podcast that we pass the mic, that we ensure that, you know, some trans folks that you've never heard of, that don't have a huge following on social media, perhaps, that just are moving through the world in their everyday life, had a space and the place on this here podcast to share their thoughts about some of the conversations we will be having. And they also elaborate on when they were first seen. Like, there's so many great talking points. And Travel, I must admit, I love doing the show with you. I'm having such a good time. But this, this was some of my favorite work. Absolutely. Y'all take a listen. The way that I came out as trans was um, seeing a tr- black trans man, Seven King, back when he did like a, um, it was a web series called Eden's Garden. And I'll never forget because um, he has a lot of overlap with the ballroom scene and he highlighted a lot of black and brown trans men on the show. And, you know, it was a very short lived season or series. I don't even know if it had like a season two and it was very DIY, but I remember because at the time I was living abroad, I was living in London, um, doing my master's at the time. I was doing oral histories of the ballroom scene, which is kind of like how I got into the work I do now. But the thing was, I remember I didn't see a lot of trans men who looked like me. Um, and I remember when I found that show, not only did I see people who did look like me and also not only looked like me, but looked like how I wanted to look. Um, it was like the first time I saw a version of myself. And it's very much because of ballroom, especially that you have black trans men who are hyper visible, like Marquise Filson, like Sean Coleman Ebony, like Shady Prada. I mean, there's like so many people I, I can name. Um, Javon Martin, um, I think of um, Elijah Ebony, just in terms of like me trying to find myself I had to like kind of go down the ether to try and find some version. And then it was also helpful that I was part of a community that actually had a space for people who look like me. So yeah, that's that. And then I also think about Teak Milan as well. Like I remember I started transitioning 
let's see, I think I started transitioning around 2016, 17, really, like socially transitioning. And then starting hormones was like 2017. And I remember seeing Teeks um, when he would talk about what it meant for him to be a lesbian and how important that history was to him. But the way that he saw his transition was just kind of like a continuation of who he was just in a different way. Um, that really spoke to me because it was also like, wow, that's my story. Like I loved being a lesbian. That was like a very part of, huge part of my identity. And I think for trans men like me who have that experience of like, we first, you know, very much lived our lives in lesbian community and like, you know, we're very much in that world. I think it's, it's also so weird to think of that. That world is so different from today because it was very binary. Um, I mean, I came out as a lesbian back in like 2007, eight and trans was really not in the mainstream back then um so to see somebody who had gone through that experience and then being like oh that's me you know like that's my story like the fact that he shared his story was extremely powerful for me the lack of trans uh individuals in media uh impacted my life because it made me feel like i was strange like uh just trying to figure it out and not seeing a lot of people who look like me um, racially, uh, gender-wise. Um, and, you know, sometimes you start to only uh, so be able to, to really connect with something strange. Like if you were watching, I don't know, like Star Trek or something, and then all of a sudden you, you, you connecting with the blob, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> that genderless blob you're like how do they procreate you be like they just separate into <laughs> two species so um so it was it was difficult um honestly it was really difficult just to to take in a lot of images um like i guess in a way like i grew up in in a way where uh i kind of got to play a little bit more gender-wise than than some others, but you know that's because you get to be thrown in with all oh, day just a tomboy. They grow out of it. It's just a phase, right? Um, and I think that my parents may have begun to really understand that it may not have been just a phase when I snuck off and tried to join the football team. <laughs> like straight up was hiding um, in the uh, <laughs> in the tryouts, like. Like nobody knew um, until my father pulled up, like, and called my name, like the my uh, original name, and uh, and then you know you sitting there in a helmet and whatnot, like, can't nobody see me, <laughs> you know, um, and then like my cousin was like, ooh, you in trouble, like it was your idea too, man, like you here with me. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, it's just like little stuff like that, that kind of, um, at least I hope I, I want to have those type of conversations with my parents to, to really begin to, to delve into what they've always like questioned, but never said outright. 
Special thank you to Sydney and B for sharing some of themselves with us. And another special shout out to Unique Women's Coalition who provided us their space and their support and their members, right? So that we can have this particular segment on every single episode of We See Each Other, the podcast. If you don't know about Unique Women's Coalition, like I said before, we have a link to their website in the show notes. You can get information about them. You can give them some of your coins yes. so that they can continue doing their work. Yes, I know that I certainly have given them coins and some of my clothing. It's it's one of my favorite places. Shout out to all of the queens over at the Unique Women's Coalition. And, you know, just to reiterate what you just said, Travel, I have just loved everyone really coming to this platform and just being so transparent and so willing to share their perspectives and unique stories with us. It is, and, and with the listeners as well, with the world, if you will, it's been, it's been great. So special thanks again to everyone for their transparency. Absolutely. And that's it for us this week on We See Each Other, the podcast. You can keep up with the show on Instagram at Slayjon. That's at S-L-A-Y-Z-H. O-N. You can purchase We See Each Other, the book, wherever books are sold. And if you haven't gotten enough of Trayvell already as it is between Fanti and the other shows that they do, and including this one, listen, you can slide on over to that audiobook because guess what? They're narrating the entire damn thing. And it's pretty good. So check that out. Our music is by the incomparable Neverending Nina. Our producer is Palmira Muniz. And Laura Swisher is our senior producer. This podcast is supported by Critical Minded, an initiative to invest in cultural critics of color, co-founded by the Nathan Cummings Foundation and the Ford Foundation. It's a production of Slay Jean and Maximum Fun. We see, we see, we see each other. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.